Okay, uh, you all should have an outline. Uh, let's read the title together. The Seed for the Fulfillment of God's Purpose. So we have been working our way through Genesis very slowly. Last semester, uh, we spent 12 weeks going through Genesis, starting with chapter 1 and working our way up through about chapter 11. And this semester, we started with chapter 12, and we're going all the way up through chapter 24. And there's a lot more after that for next year, next uh, semester. But uh, right now, we're on a section concerning Abraham. And uh, in this section, uh, God speaks to Abraham concerning a seed that Abraham would have. We're talking about the seed of Abraham. Uh, Of course, this is a prophetic word concerning Christ. And actually, there's other times in the Bible where Christ is referred to as a seed. Back in Genesis chapter 3, he's referred to as the seed of what? The seed of the woman would come to bruise the serpent's head. That was a prophecy concerning the coming of Christ, right? And then later in the Old Testament, it talks about the seed of David. Uh, So uh, Christ also came to fulfill that prophecy. But tonight we're talking about the seed of Abraham for the fulfillment of God's purpose. And it's very interesting that Genesis refers to uh, Abraham's descendant in this way, as a seed. Why doesn't he say, uh, your descendant, uh, I want to... cause you to have a descendant that will inherit this blessing that I'm pouring out um, or to receive the promise, you know, that God made. Or what about the, uh, the children of Abraham or something like this? But no, he uses the word seed, the seed of Abraham. And this is very significant. You know, a seed is, it's small. It's a container of life. You know, a seed has a life germ inside. Um, it's also meant to be sown, to be scattered, scattered abroad. Uh, and it issues in an outgrowth with a multiplication and propagation. So it's very significant that Abraham was to have a seed that would come. Uh, and uh, that seed of Abraham, we'll see in this message tonight, is Christ. Now, in the title, it says the seed is for the fulfillment of what? God's purpose. The fulfillment of God's purpose. And what is his purpose? We saw this way back in Genesis 1. That God's purpose is his desire to gain a people to express him with his image and to represent him with his authority, with his dominion. This goes all the way back to Genesis 1, the opening of the Bible. When man is first created, God said, Let us make man in our image and let them have dominion. So we see from the beginning of the Bible, the opening word shows us what is on God's heart. What is his purpose? His purpose to have a man uh, on the earth expressing him with his image and representing him with his dominion. Well, this seed is altogether related to the fulfillment of God's purpose. Um, Roman numeral 1, it says, For the fulfillment of God's purpose, God must have this seed. He must have it. You know, 
in, uh, when God created Adam, he said, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion. The plural word them is used referring to a corporate man. Uh, all humanity was included in Adam. So that you could say that was the race of Adam, the Adamic race, came into existence for God's purpose. But we know that Adam failed. Adam fell. And seemingly, when we come to chapter 12 of Genesis, man had fallen so far away from God that God made a turn from the Adamic race to the Abrahamic race. He, he went to Ur of Chaldea, and he called one man, Abram. It seemed that he gave up on the rest of the human race. He went to this one man, Abram. Abram, by the way, he was just worshiping idols on the other side of the river, just like all the rest. But God came and he appeared to him. And he called him. And so God seemed to make a turn right there. Let me just put something on the board. So you have Adam and the, the race of Adam, the Adamic race, the created race, who was intended for God's purpose, to express God, to represent God on the earth. But Adam fell further and further away from God. So God came in, okay, God came in and called one man, Abraham, and called this man, called him out of all the rest, called him out of his father's house, out of his land, out of idolatry, out of everything, to cross over, cross over the river, and begin, uh, begin anew, you could say. But listen, in his calling of Abraham, in his calling, uh, look what he says in the first verse reference there, under Roman numeral 1. Let's read this together. Now, Jehovah said to Abram, In all the families of the earth will be blessed. And Jehovah appeared to Abram and said, To your seed I will give this land. Right there, in calling this one man out, he made a promise. He said, In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So right there, in the calling of Abram, God made a U-turn back to the Adamic race, back to the fallen race. He never left his purpose. He never left his purpose. His purpose is still for all mankind. The whole fallen Adamic race, uh, that this blessing would come to them. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I don't know how many in this room are physical descendants of Abraham. Uh, Do we have any? Uh, any of the Jewish race here? The Hebrews? But listen, <clears throat> to us, the Gentiles, the fallen Adamic race, uh, this blessing is to us. And we'll, we'll see. We're, we need to develop this. You know, listen, in that last verse there, it said, To your seed I will give this land. I will give this land. You know, a land is very important. In the whole of human history, there have been many, many wars and battles over land. Why do people want to possess land so much? You know, real estate. Real estate is so valuable. There's more millionaire, millionaires created every year through real estate than anything else. 
You know, if you have a piece of land, even just a few acres, you can live off of that land. When I was a kid, I grew up on a farm, and uh, my dad got this magazine every month called Mother Earth News. And basically, in this magazine, it showed you how to live off the fat of the land, how to, how to grow rabbits for food, and how to raise chickens, and how to maintain a beehive for honey, and how to uh, make maple syrup from the maple trees. And how to, how to plant a garden and, and have fresh vegetables. Uh, how to maintain some wooded property so you can have firewood and so forth. That's what it just it talked about. Every article just talked about how to live off the fat of the land. If you have a piece of land, uh, that means a lot. And that's why there's so many wars over land. That's why people want land. You know, the United States purchased Alaska from Russia for a very small amount of money. The Russians didn't realize how valuable that land was. But once the Americans got it, they discovered oil and gold and all kinds of wealth. Uh, So land is very important. And this land, by the way, it tells us in the book of Deuteronomy, this good land is a vast, spacious, rich, good land. It says that in that land you will lack nothing. You will have bread without scarcity. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, Of course, this is just a picture of the all-inclusive Christ. Uh, Christ is the blessing. Christ is the land. He's the good land. And this blessing, it says... uh, Jehovah appeared to Abram and said, To your seed I will give this land. Well, that might seem strange. If Christ is the seed of Abraham and the land is also Christ, he's giving Christ to Christ. (laughs) Well, as we'll see throughout this message, when we believe into Christ, we become part of Christ. And we become part of the seed of Abraham and we get to inherit the inheritance of the good land, which is the all-inclusive Christ, with all that He is, that He would be everything to us in our experience. Okay, let's move on. Point A, it says, Christ is the unique seed of Abraham. In God's eyes, Abraham has only one seed, and that is Christ. The book of Galatians makes this very clear. Let's read that verse. But to Abraham were the promises spoken, and to his seed. He does not say, and to the seeds, as concerning many, but as concerning one. And to your seed, who is Christ? So on the one hand, the seed is the one who fulfills the promise. But on the other hand, the seed is those who enjoy the promise which has been fulfilled. Well, Christ came and he fulfilled that promise. He's the reality of the seed of Abraham. But praise the Lord, brother Abishek, we've been joined to Christ. We are of Christ. So we get to inherit this blessing, to enjoy the promise. Let's read point B. Through faith in Christ Jesus, the unique seed, we are all sons of God and sons of Abraham. And then look at these verses in Galatians. Let's go ahead and read. How about the brothers read the first couple of verses and the sisters the next set? Go. Know then that they who are of faith, these are sons of Abraham. 
For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And if you are of Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to promise. Okay, stop right there. In verse 16, it said, there's only one seed. It doesn't say concerning many, it says concerning one, and to your seed, who is Christ. But this verse, in the same chapter, it says, those who are of faith, these are sons of Abraham. And if you are of Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs, heirs according to promise. So our faith has made us part of the seed of Abraham. It has made us part of Christ, and therefore we are sons of God. He's the only begotten Son of God. We are the many born sons of God. And our faith has made us part of the seed of Abraham to inherit the promises. Amen. Okay, now, sisters, the next uh, set of verses. Go. Christ has redeemed us out of the curse of the law, having become a curse on our behalf in order that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. Well, it says that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. I thought Abraham was promised a land, right? But when the Apostle Paul went back after he was dynamically saved he went back to the old testament and he began to see it with some new glasses on and he saw (laughs) what did he see he saw that land is just christ and christ in resurrection is now just the spirit so the the spirit god in christ as the spirit in resurrection is now available to us praise the lord Uh, It says, in order that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we, the Gentiles, might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. So the promised blessing back in Genesis 12 is actually God himself as the Spirit. You know, God was processed through incarnation and human living and crucifixion and death and burial and resurrection and ascension. And through this whole process, he has become the spirit ready to be poured out, to be received by us, to be enjoyed by us. And, 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 and now, praise the Lord, we're the, we're the rich inheritors. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go on to Roman numeral 2. It says, how is this seed brought forth? Let's read A together. Go. It is not what Abraham already possessed. Well, if you know the story, Abraham was quite old at this time when God called him. And not only that, his wife was barren, and she was just 10 years younger than he was. And they had no children. And when God promised that he was going to have a seed... He was thinking, well, how's that going to happen? So he thought, it must be what I have. And what did he have? He had a servant named Eliezer. Okay, well, let's read this together. How about the brothers on Genesis 15? Go. And Abram said, O Lord Jehovah, what will you give me? For I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. But when the Lord came to him, saying, This man shall not be your heir, 
but he who will come out from your own body shall be your hair. Look now toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your seed be. It's not what you have. It's not what you possess that will become a blessing. It's not what you possess. You know, some people in themselves, they think I have something that will please the Lord. I have something that will fulfill God's purpose. Maybe I have some talent. I have some ability. I have uh, something. But the Lord says, no, I don't want that. I don't want your talent. I don't want your ability. I don't want what you have. I want something that's going to be worked into you and come out of you. That's just uh, God himself worked into man. Okay, B, it says, it is not what Abraham could produce out of himself. It's not what Abraham had, nor is it what Abraham could produce out of himself. After God rejected Eliezer, you know, that was Abraham's good idea. God rejected that. Then Abraham, and actually his wife made the suggestion... Uh, obviously we can't have children, Abraham. So why don't you take this maid of mine, Hagar, and have a child through her? That must be what God's talking about. So he did. He listened to his wife, and he had a son through Hagar, the maid, and his name was Ishmael. And let's look at this verse. Genesis 16 16, that's the last verse of chapter 16 and the first verse of chapter 17. Let's read those two. Go. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. And when Abram was 99 years old, Jehovah appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the all-sufficient God, long before me and be perfect. Okay, how many years is that between verse 16 and verse 17? How many? Thirteen years. After he produced Ishmael, after he produced something for the Lord out of himself, God did not speak to Abraham for thirteen years. God wasn't happy, right? He was not happy. It's not what you have, Abraham. It's not what you can produce out of your own self, Abraham. There's something else, right? Let's read C together. It is only what God worked into Abraham. Likewise, only what God works into us through his grace can bring forth Christ as the seed for the fulfillment of God's purpose. Well, we saw in the past Thursday nights that the story of Abraham is actually a story of us. We need to see our experience In Abraham, and in Isaac, and in Jacob, God himself is referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of these individual persons. And he wants to be the God of you, right? Uh, He wants to be the God of Connor, the God of Joshua. Um, That means we need to experience him. And the way these men experience him is the same way we experience him. So, what happened to Abraham? You know, when God spoke to him 13 years later, he was was nearly 100 years old. 
His wife was 90. They had no children. It tells us in Romans that he considered himself already dead. But God promised, you're going to have a child. This time next year in the time of life, you're going to have a son. And, of course, Abraham realized, it's nothing I have. It's nothing I can do. My life is finished and over. Oh, God. If you want this seed, you have to do something. You have to come in. You have to come in and impart something into us that this seed could come forth. Uh, And that is really just grace. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But I wanted to point out this, these verse references at the end of that point C. You know, Galatians... And, of course, there's a lot of other verses we could put here, but we just put this few. Galatians 1.16 says Christ would be revealed in us. And 2.20 says that Christ lives in us. And 4.19, it says Christ is formed in us. And Ephesians 3.17, Christ is making His home in our hearts. And Philippians 2.13, that God is operating in us. We have to see it's Christ being wrought into our being, being worked into our being, uh, and coming forth out of us for His expression and for His representation. This is what will fulfill God's purpose. And this is grace. Let's read the next point, D. In order to fulfill God's purpose, we need to receive God's grace so that Christ can be wrought into us as the seed. You know, through Moses, the law came. And what the law does is it makes demands on man according to God's standard of righteousness. Okay, the law is according to God. It's this high. It's 200 feet high. You can't attain that. You cannot reach that. It's according to God's standard of righteousness. And we are just puny little sinners, right? (laughs) Uh, There's no way we can reach God's standard. And God doesn't come in and say, Well, Chili, I know you're a fallen sinner, so I'll just lower the bar to about two feet. I know you can jump that far probably. He doesn't do that. He, He keeps the bar way up there, right? And we can't make it. That's why in the book of Galatians, it says it's a curse to try to keep the law because we can't do it. But grace, brothers and sisters, grace, hallelujah, grace supplies man with what God is to meet what God demands. Only God can meet his demands. Only the life of God can match God can attain to the level of God's righteousness. So what do we need to do? We need to receive God, right? We need grace. You know, the word grace in the New Testament oftentimes is personified. It's a person. Grace, it tells us in Titus, is training us. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says grace is laboring. Grace is personified. Grace is a person. Grace is God himself in Christ as the Spirit, ready to be dispensed into us, supplying us with what God is to meet God's demands. We need God wrought into our being, worked into our being, revealed in us, making his home in us, living in us, operating in us. Right? This will fulfill God's purpose. Praise the Lord. I just want to read point D again. In order to fulfill God's purpose, we need to receive grace so that Christ can be wrought into us as the seed. 
I like this verse in John 1.16. It says, For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. One time a brother was sharing on this verse, and he said, it's like, it's like you're at the coast on the ocean, and the waves are just coming in gently, one after the other. Every, every what? Every five seconds, another wave rolls in, another wave. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. We just need to be the receivers of grace. Right? Every day we need to be open to receive grace. Some of us have been in the book of Hebrews recently. And in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Come forward with boldness to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace for timely help. It's a throne of grace. (laughs) Every time we approach the Lord, grace comes. Every time we open to Him, every time we call on His name, every time we pray to Him, every time we open the Bible and begin to read the Bible, grace comes, another wave Another gentle dispensing of God into our being. And this will fulfill God's purpose. Okay, let's go on to the last Roman numeral. Let's read this together. Abram believed Jehovah, and he accounted it to him as righteousness. Amen. Okay, Um, A says to believe into God is to receive him. To believe into God is to receive Him. Let's read that verse together. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the authority to become children of God, to those who believe into His name. You know, before Genesis 15, in Genesis 15, that's where Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him for righteousness. Before that time, Abraham trusted in God. He believed in God. Um, he believed that God was his shield. He believed that God was taking care of him. Actually, in Genesis 14, he told the king of Sodom, he says, I have lifted up my hand to the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Wasn't he a believer at that point? But that kind of believing was not accounted to him as righteousness. But when we come to Genesis 15, when God told him, that Eliezer is not what I want. I don't want what you have. I don't want what you can produce. But something of God was going to be imparted into him to produce uh, a seed. Uh, and, that his, and that this seed would become uh, a great nation. Abraham believed and God came in and said, Righteousness. He accounted that believing. That kind of faith was accounted as righteousness. Um, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to talk, I'm going to develop this a little bit. In point one, it says, uh, okay, just follow along. To, to believe into God is to receive Him. One, it is a spontaneous reaction to God's repeated appearing. God had re- appeared to Abraham over and over and over again. And every time God appeared to him, something more of God got imparted into Abraham. And, and that became his faith. Look at, let's read Romans ten seventeen together. So faith comes out of hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You know, um, this month, the month of October 
is uh, some of the Christian groups on campus are doing something called Beautiful Feet, which is what? It's to go around and share the gospel with your friends, with the classmates, with people on campus, pass out gospel tracts. That phrase comes from Romans 17, right? Uh, Beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings. Um, Has anybody tried that yet? This month? (laughs) Okay, listen. You, You may run into somebody that tells you, uh, okay, Chile, you approach this person. You say, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord, and I'd like to share something about Christ with you. And that person might say, you know what? Uh, I'm, a, I'm an unbeliever. I don't believe that stuff. I'm an atheist. What are you going to say? <laughs> you know what? Just ask them if they have a couple minutes. And if they say yes then you share with them the gospel. You can even share it in a very simple way, that Jesus Christ is God, that he died for your sins, he became a man, he lived a perfect human life, he died for your sins, but he resurrected on the third day because he was God and death could not hold him. He resurrected in a new form. The Bible tells us that in resurrection he became the life-giving spirit. And now he wants to get inside of you. He wants to impart his life into you. How about we pray right now to receive this wonderful Christ? Let's bow our heads and pray. I'll say the prayer and you just repeat my words and make it your own prayer to receive the Lord. You know what? A lot of times that person who told you they were an atheist, they don't believe that stuff. After you speak those few words of truth... Something within them says, yes, amen. I want that. I need that. I'm not going to resist this person. I'm going to bow my head like they said and pray. It's happened on this campus over and over and over again. You know, I want to draw something else here. Um, I forgot my paper. (laughs) Okay, listen. It says here, we read the verse, right, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. With Abraham, God appeared. Okay, God appeared to Abraham. And that appearing of God did something. It infused God into Abraham. There was an infusion. There was a transfusion. There was an impartation of God. Every time God appears to someone, God himself gets imparted into that person. When that happens, there's a reaction. Okay? My, or maybe I should say our reaction, (laughs) not just me, Our reaction is faith. Our reaction. Faith. Nobody has faith. Faith is not something that you possess from birth. Faith is something that comes from hearing. Right? 
That means people need to hear something. They need to hear the words of the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You speak the Word to people. You speak the Gospel to people. You speak the truth to people, and faith comes. That's just our reaction to what God infused into us. Something of Christ got infused into that person, and there was a response, a reaction. That is faith. That means that faith is just Christ. It's the Christ that God imparted into them through your speaking. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says that Christ is the author of faith. He's the originator of faith. No one has faith apart from Christ. So Christ has to first get in. It's okay if that person doesn't have faith. Speak to them and speak faith into them. And then they'll believe. Okay, when this reaction happens, which is the believing, uh, God has a reaction. God's reaction. What is God's reaction? His reaction is justification. Um, It's faith accounted as righteousness. Justified. This person is justified. Okay. Um, See point B there? It says, Abraham was justified by such a faith. He believed Jehovah, and God accounted it to him as righteousness. Why is this faith accounted by God as righteousness? Anything we can do is unrighteous, is filthy rags, right? All of our righteousness is filthy rags to him. But the reason why this is righteousness is because it's just Christ. Only Christ is righteous. Only Christ is righteous. So his justification of this faith here is because this faith is just what is something of God that got infused into that person. That is righteousness. Praise the Lord. So let's go on a little further. Just a few more minutes. Okay, Um, Okay. what is uh, to be justified? This is God's action whereby he approves people according to his standard of righteousness. And God can do this on the basis of the redemption of Christ. Okay, now, uh, Abraham was justified... This, this faith, by the way, we forgot to read point two up there. It is precious to God and accounted as righteousness. In Galatians 3.11 it says, And that by law no one is justified before God is evident because the righteous one shall have life and live by faith. Okay, now, when we get to Genesis uh, 15 here, this faith that was accounted as righteousness... Uh, <clears throat> We need to see something. There's no mention of sin in this chapter. When God counts that faith as righteousness, there's no mention of sin. Um, That's because righteousness in relation to sin has to do with the process or the procedure of justification. 
But God's concern in Genesis had nothing to do with that. It had to do with God's purpose. See, this brings us back to the title of this message, the seed for the fulfillment of God's purpose. Um, in Ro- now, you have to go to Romans to see the procedure and the purpose of justification. In Romans chapter 3, we see that the procedure of justification is through the redemption of Christ. Let's read Romans, uh, those verses from 3 together. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Okay, God can do this based on the redemption of Christ. But then, let's go to chapter 4 of Romans, point number 2 here. Point number 2 says on the back, in the back of your sheet, Romans 4 shows the purpose of justification. To produce a body for Christ, which becomes the kingdom of God on earth. To what? To represent God with His authority. To have dominion. This brings us all the way back to Genesis 1. God's purpose in creating man in the first place. Image and dominion. And in Romans 4.13, let's read this together. For it was not through the law that the promise was made to Abraham or to his seed that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness of faith. Justification is for God's chosen ones to inherit the world, that they may exercise God's dominion on earth through the righteousness of faith. This brings us back to God's purpose in Genesis 1. And listen, with this matter of righteousness, I was just considering, um, you know, this is the destiny of the overcomers, is to rule and reign with Christ on the earth, uh, to have dominion. How can we rule on the earth and have dominion with Christ if we're not righteous? In Psalms... 89.14, it says that the foundation of God's throne is righteousness. And also, Christ is referred to in Hebrews as the king of righteousness. And in another psalm, 98.9, it says he will judge the world with righteousness. So if we are to be representing Christ on the earth with his dominion, we need to be righteous. Right? We need to have... Christ wrought into our being, worked into our being. Uh, We need to have the very thing worked into our being that God can account as righteous. And that's just Christ. Praise the Lord. Um, Another thing here is that God's righteousness is the basis and the foundation of his dispensing himself into man. We want God to be dispensed into us, to be worked into us. Well, His righteousness is the basis and the foundation for that to happen through the redemption of Christ. Amen.